Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, uh, we are going to be in a few passages today. Probably my main passage will be in Matthew chapter 4. And I'll get to that in just a moment. Matthew chapter 4, and you can uh, get ready for that. And if you're watching online, you can um, get that ready as well. But we are in week three of this series called Whatever It Takes. And God gave me this, uh, Holy Spirit gave me this, this phrase that, um, obviously we, we heard this phrase uh, with a wide variety of, of uh, marketing campaigns or, or whatever. You probably maybe even said those words together. I'm going to do whatever it takes. But when, when I was praying before the summer, I, I just had this feeling that, you know, as a church, we've got to do whatever it takes to accomplish our mission, our purpose, our, uh, our five purposes of a church. And so with the great commandment and the great commission comes our purpose. And I talked about that in week one. In fact, our purpose statement um, kind of comes from that. And our purpose statement is simple. It's just we point people to God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, his church, and his world. And so if we do whatever it takes, we're going to accomplish that mission. And so um, the, the church does have a five-fold sort of a purpose of, um, of why we do what we do. And that is real simple. We, uh, in order to be a healthy church, we have to have a balanced sort of diet of fellowship, evangelism, worship, discipleship, and ministry. And so, um, as we walk through that, one of the, the, uh, the passages of Scripture that is sort of our theme passage for this, that has a sort of whatever-it-takes attitude, is 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 58. It says, uh, says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So it's telling us um, that give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. And so this sort of whatever it takes attitude is something that Paul shared with the church there at Corinth. And so if we can sort of adopt that, that same sort of verse and attitude and, and fire and passion, then we will do whatever it takes. You know, there, there are many various people in groups in our society that have this sort of whatever it takes attitude. You probably have had a variety of people call you through a telemarketing campaign and uh, maybe through uh, text. You know, they've kind of moved from the phone to the text. Y'all getting the text messages as well? It's like, where did this come from? And, but whether it's a, it's a phone call or, or, or a text, telemarketers they are probably the best example of people who will do whatever it takes, right? I mean, they keep calling and keep calling. And, and, and I'm sorry if you're a telemarketer, you know, if you're a telemarketer in this room, you know, I apologize for using your life as an example if you're watching online. But if you are a telemarketer, you do drive us crazy. I'm just going to be honest with you, you know. But imagine if, if, if Christians, if the church can share the gospel like telemarketers use, you know, that, that sort of fire and that passion to, to share their message. Imagine how big the church can be. Imagine what we could do in our society, in our world, for the name of Jesus Christ. So be a telemarketer for Jesus, right? Share Christ, do whatever it takes, and that 
what I, is what I kind of came across this week as I got a few of those phone calls. I was like, you know, they're doing whatever it takes. Somebody share that with our church. In week one, we talked about fellowship, how fellowship is important. We have a pathway of fellowship. We have a, um, which is in, uh, sharing Christ and, uh, and accepting him and being a part of the fellowship and, and uh, com- confessing your sin and, and having Christ in your life. So there is a pathway to, to the fellowship, but we also uh, need to promote the fellowship, sharing Jesus. And then we also need to protect the fellowship, submitting to one another, uh, talking to one another, not talking about some, uh, someone. So um, there's lots of things that we can do to uh, protect that fellowship. And so fellowship is so important. And if we, um, as a church, do fellowship the way we're supposed to, healthy fellowship, that's one of the five areas that we can start growing into a healthy church. We, uh, last week, we talked about evangelism. And I used the story of Zacchaeus. And how Jesus was walking down the street, and Zacchaeus was in the tree, and Jesus wasn't even Jesus wasn't even stopping in Jericho. He was passing through Jericho, going to Jerusalem, and as he was just passing through, this guy's in the tree, and he notices him, and it's a it's sort of that holy distraction, is what I call it. God gives us people in our lives that are sort of that holy distraction, people that God is saying, "All right, wake up." Realize what I'm putting in front of you. That is a person that you need to develop a relationship with. And that's exactly what Jesus did. They went to their house. He was very intentional about uh, sharing the good news uh, of, of, um, of following him. And we have people in our lives that go through sort of seasons. You've been through some of these as well. And these seasons like troubles and tensions, and transitions. When, when people move jobs, relocate jobs, or, or move from one part of the country to the next, or there's tension in their marriage, or in their life, or maybe at work, or there's, there's trouble, maybe there's a health issue, you know, or a parenting issue. You know, those are times when we as, as believers, we can look into that and say, this is an opportunity for me to share Christ, for me to build that relationship with that person. And so evangelism is something that obviously as a church we need to do. So there are some tools we can, we can, we can use. Obviously we can use God's word. Okay, we could, we could sort of, uh, before we talk to people, we could start bathing them in, uh, you know, in, in prayer and just saying, you know, God, take this person that I need to talk to and I, I'm going to cover them, saturate them with prayer. Lord, help their heart be open to receive what I need to share with them. Prayer is so important to that. So God's word and prayer. But there's some other tools like uh, digital tools. I shared one last week that you can use on your phone. And it's simply Share Your Faith. It's Share Your Faith app. And it's one word, Share Your Faith. You download that, you can use that app. I use that app this week with somebody. Sharing Jesus. It's awesome. And so would, would encourage you to uh, use some of those uh, tools. Uh, also, we share it on our website. Uh, some tools that you can use. If you just go to lakepointonline.com forward slash share Jesus. And if you do that, it'll take you right to some things that you can, uh, that you can use. But this week's focus, so we talked about, um, we talked about fellowship, talked about evangelism, and then this week's focus, I want I wanna us to lean heavy in on discipleship. Discipleship. So what is discipleship? What does that mean? Well, it's basically you and I maturing in our faith, maturing in our faith. It's growing in your relationship of God's purpose for 
your life through Bible study and prayer. That is discipleship. The easiest way I know how to describe discipleship, if I could break it down to the least common denominator, the word I would use is follow. Follow. That's how we become disciples. We follow. And so as we, as we look at this through Scripture in Matthew chapter 4, one of the best, thing, uh, best examples I can use is the calling of the first disciples. And we see this in Matthew chapter 4, verse, uh, starting with verse 18. As Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee. Preparing their nets, Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The word that jumps out at that passage to me the most is the word immediately. Everybody say the word immediately. Immediately. All right. So this word immediately, it immediately jumped out at me. Because when you look at this story, there was no wasted time whatsoever going from what they were doing to following Jesus. And so can you imagine what they were doing at the moment? They were, whether they were cleaning nets or cleaning out the, cleaning out the boat, or maybe getting ready to, to, to clean fish. You know, their action symbolizes the way we should immediately walk from our old life to a new life in Jesus. Whatever we're doing in our life, when Jesus gets your attention, Jesus looks at you and says this, follow me. Now, that, that experience is, 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 is probably not going to happen. Jesus is going to come down face to face and say, hey, come follow me. But what Jesus can do is this. He can knock on the door of your heart. And God will, will have that gentle knock on the door of your heart. And he's telling you, look, I'm trying to get your attention. I want you to follow me. I want you to search. Now, there, there are people in my life that I'm, I'm sharing Christ with, and they're probably watching online right now, but they're searching. They're just searching. You know, they're, they're not even following Jesus yet, but they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, what is, what is this about? Because there's something missing here, and I hear this knocking on my heart's door, and then there's something here that I've got to search for. I've got to make sure that I'm not missing out on something. And so when you and I decide to follow Christ, it is something we need to do immediately. So to be a disciple, to follow, takes a couple of two big decisions. The first big decision is a one-time decision. Just simply calling that a one time decision. Because when Jesus was, was uh, walking by the, by the shore and telling them, follow me, it, it was that one-time decision to say, okay, I've got to leave with what I'm doing now and go and follow Jesus. So what does that one-time decision look like? Or what could it look like? As I think about 
my life and the, and the people I've, I share Christ with and I lead, I'm able to lead to the Lord, it, it looks like it, it's a little dirty. Okay? It's a little dirty. And in fact, it's okay to show up dirty when Jesus calls you. Because think about the, the fishermen. The fishermen were around boats with fish guts, nets with fish guts. And I don't know if you spent much time around fish. I don't, I don't really do that because the, I, fish move away from me. I, I can't catch fish, and that's fine. I eat fish. I love fish. But imagine the smell of these fishermen and the stink the sweat. And, 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 and I would imagine, don't know if these disciples did, but I would imagine some, some fishermen probably, they have a little bit of swearing problem, you know, like, you know, cussing like a sailor, right? So you got stinky, you got smelly, you got sweaty, you got swearing, you got all these things that, that you look at the, these people and it's like, man, that's, that's dirty. You know, why would Jesus not just go into town and find people that, that smell a little better, right? And where it's not around sinky fish. Or maybe a little bit more put together. You know, having some of these things that the disciples had as fishermen wasn't really good for their LinkedIn job profile. You know, but Jesus wanted them to show up dirty for job training. He did. He wanted them to show up dirty for job training. What does this speak to us? It shows this. You don't need to get all cleaned up to follow Jesus. In fact, that is one of the reasons why people don't make that one-time decision. They think this. Man, I'm looking at my life and inside and the things I've done and I've got too bad of a past. I'm dirty. Even the the things that are in my life now, I'm dirty. Before I can accept Jesus, I've got I've to clean some things up. Can I tell you something? You'll never accept Christ if that's your attitude. You, you, you can't, you don't have the ability to clean up yourself. You know, you might start making some better choices. If you, you know, you could do that. You, you have the strength to do that. But... When we get caught up in sin, and sin grabs a hold of us, we don't really have the power to release sin in our life. We can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can clean us to the way that we need to be cleaned. And so, when, when Jesus is knocking on your heart's door, when he's calling out to you, don't think you've got to clean your act together first. Don't think that you're stinky and dirty too much for Jesus because he can clean you. So it's okay. Jump out of the boat, you know, drop the nets and go. What, what else do we see in this, in this one-time decision from the disciples? We see this, that they were, they lived ordinary lives. Now fishermen in that culture, they were, they were pretty ordinary just, I mean, ordinary people. They, they didn't serve on school boards or they didn't have any kind of influential positions in their life. You know, all the successful people were, you know, in the bigger towns. You know? I mean, I would think if Jesus wanted to, 
to, to have people that were uh, actually special for ministry, he would go into town to the job fair and pick out some people, look through resumes and figure out, okay, who can be, some, who can be a disciple? Who, who has the qualifications? But that's, that's not what Jesus wanted. He wanted ordinary people. That's what he wanted. You don't need to come from a family of high position. You don't need to come from a family who, who even went to church all the time. You don't need to come from a family who had it all together. If you are ordinary, that's perfect. If you are just an ordinary person, which I pretty much, everybody in here is pretty ordinary. Now, Jesus can save those people in high positions, and good golly, he needs to save some people who are up in Washington. But just know this. If you think you just have an ordinary life and your ordinary life is nothing special to be used by God, that is a lie from Satan. You're ordinary, which means you're right where God can use you. You're right where God can use you. And, and we also see the disciples dropped everything and let it go. They let go of their supplies, their family business, and literally their family, their father, Zebedee, to follow Jesus. They didn't even come to a stopping point. They didn't even say, hey, let's, let's roll, we've got to clean the nets and let's roll them down. Let's got to bring the boat in. You know, let's clean the fish. Let me go take a bath and, and maybe pack some clothes and a suitcase and then I can follow you. No, immediately, immediately they dropped everything. Letting go means letting go. If you're still holding on to the nets of your past, you have to let it go. So let me ask you a question. Are you still holding on to the nets in your life? What's stopping you from following Jesus? Jesus, is it your hobbies that may not be so godly? Is that your net? Is it your career that you're afraid will, will disappear? Like the, the disciples, they walked away from a family career, family business. Or is it your family friends who will not understand? You know, they left their dad, their business. They showed up dirty. They were ordinary people, and they let it go. That is how you do a one-time decision to follow Jesus. Right there. It's... it's <laughs> It's there, black and white, and a little bit of red. But you, you don't need to make sure that your life is put together, that you're someone special, that you're all cleaned up. That one-time decision is all right there. And you can drop everything and follow Jesus. So you have the one-time decision to follow Christ. Again, we're talking about discipleship. Discipleship, the word we're using for discipleship is follow, okay? Just simply follow. So they follow Jesus with a one-time decision to follow Jesus. And then the second thing is that they had an everyday decision, made an everyday decision to follow Jesus. Obviously, the disciples, as you get to the end of this book, the disciples lived their life every day following Jesus. Even after Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, 
The disciples lived their life following Jesus. Yeah, they, they made mistakes, but asked for forgiveness, confessed their sins, and kept moving on with the gospel. So they made the decision to follow him every day of their life. Being a Christian, which is a follower of Jesus. That's the definition of a Christian, a follower of Jesus. It goes far beyond a one-time decision. If you make the one-time decision to accept Christ and to say, Jesus, come into my life, I will follow you, and you don't do anything else, you need to go before God and make sure things are okay. (laughs) Because if you really love Jesus, you're going to follow him. And so it's an everyday decision. The, um, the best example I can use that we find in Scripture of, of, of following every day are sheep and their shepherd. Sheep and their shepherd. Sheep follow Shepherds, that's, that's what they do. They, they follow, and they do it every day. It's just like sheep, we follow. And we also go astray, as the Bible says. But as sheep, we need a shepherd. I love this in John 10, 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So what does an everyday decision of following Jesus look like. So again, we're talking about discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. Discipleship. We're talking about discipleship, which means following Jesus. What does it look like to follow Jesus every day, which is discipleship? What does that look like? Well, number one, we see know his voice. We know his voice. You can't follow Jesus if you don't know his voice. Look at uh, John 10, 4 through 5. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. What does the voice of God sound like? What does Jesus' voice sound like? How does the shepherd speak? Well, the shepherd speaks through God's word, the Bible. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through the church, through other believers. Uh, He speaks through circumstances. But you can't know, you can't hear the voice of God. You can't hear the good shepherd, Jesus, talking to the Holy Spirit if you're not following him. The more you follow, the more you know when he is speaking. The more you read his word, the more you know his voice. The more you pray, the more you sense his voice. The more you observe how God is moving all the parts of your life around you, the more you know the ways in which he is speaking. And the more you surround yourself with the family of God, the more opportunities God will speak to you. Get into the word. He can speak to you through the word. Absolutely. Get into prayer. The more you pray, he will speak to you through prayer. It's still a small voice. When you're around other believers, the more that you can connect with other believers, then the more that you're going to be able to hear the voice of God or sense God speaking to you because he will speak to you through other people, through the church. We had small group last Wednesday. I'm in a small group. 
My teacher's sitting here right in, right in this room. Came from that small group. I love being under a teaching of somebody else. And, and uh, our, some of our small group leaders are in this room. And we were able to talk about some things and uh, discuss some things. And, and I remember we were going through um, this discussion and just thinking, you know, I never thought of it like that. That is so cool. And so I would never have received that word without being in that group with other believers. And so it's important that you do that. Look for the ways God is moving around you. God speaks through circumstances. Look for the ways God is moving around you because he will speak through that. So we have to know his voice. If you want to follow the shepherd, you've got to know his voice. The second thing, this is the way we follow Jesus every day. So you have the one-time decision, bringing Jesus in your life, in your heart. Then you have the everyday decision. These are the everyday decisions, okay? And again, what does that look like? To follow, to be a disciple, know his voice. And number two, be owned by the shepherd. Be owned by the shepherd. You know, the shepherd, when, when um, shepherds get sheep, they, they purchase their sheep, okay? They purchase their sheep, and, and just like Jesus, you know, purchased us with his life. So they purchase the sheep, and one of the things they do, they actually put a mark on the ear lobe of of their sheep. And it's a, it's a uh, particular mark uh, that they cut through there. They don't use a Sharpie. Right? So they, they, they actually cut it in their ear to make sure it's, it's, it's permanent. And so, you know, I can imagine, you know, maybe David, King David, who was a shepherd, obviously, and maybe he'd have put, a, you know, big, big D there, you know, or something that David, this is David's sheep. So when, the, when that particular sheep is out of, the, out of David's field and people see what, what sheep it is, you could see, oh, well, that's David's sheep. We need to we need to bring that, that lamb over to, to David. And so, just like when a shepherd marks his sheep, we are marked by the Holy Spirit. We are marked by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. That's how, that's how Jesus, when we get to heaven and, we, and we're at the judgment seat of God, that's how God can know us because he can look at us and say, the spirit is on that person. I know you. We have the spirit of God within us. So we are marked with his spirit. I love this in Romans 8, 9 through 11. This apostle Paul Speaking to the Romans, he said, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So if you don't have the spirit, if you're not marked in the spirit, you are not his. Just like if someone finds a lamb and it's not marked. Well, guess what? That, that lamb doesn't belong to anybody. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells inside of you. What this means is that we are not the ones in control. Ooh, some, some people don't like that. Now, I mean, I have to admit, there are, there are lots of things I like to be in control of. There are some things I'm, I don't want to be in control of. It's like, I, I don't know anything about that. But maybe in our life, 
Maybe you're someone, either here or watching online, maybe you're someone who likes to feel a little bit in, you know, in control. I mean, all of us have, have to have some sort of sense of control. Okay? If, if, when you go on long, long trips, you, would you rather sit in the passenger seat or drive? I'd rather drive. You know, I'd like to just make sure that you know, we're going to get there safely, right? Not that I don't, don't totally trust the other person, but I kind of don't trust the other person, you know? But if you have a shepherd, then you live according to what the Spirit desires because the Spirit is inside of you. Jesus is the one driving. Jesus is the one driving us with the Spirit. And we don't need to be in control. We like to do things our own, own way. But out of God, all of God's animals, the sheep is the least able to take care of himself. Why? Because sheep are stupid. They're dumb. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a sheep trainer? Have you ever seen someone like trains? I mean, you could, you could train lots of animals. But I've never seen a, a trained sheep. Like a, a sheep trainer. I'm a, I'm a famous sheep trainer and I'm, I'm going to train these sheep. Why? Because, no, they're dumb. Know anyone who trained a sheep to like roll over or whatever? Not only are they dumb, but they're also defenseless. They have no claws, no fangs. They can't, they can't bite you or outrun you. That's why you, when you see like professional sports teams, there's no sports teams that call themselves the sheeps. I mean, just, it, I mean if, if so, it would be awful, you know? Imagine if the Chicago Bulls changed their name to the Chicago Lambs, you know? We like to be in control, but we are not made to be in control. We are like sheep. We are made to follow. And guess what? You ever notice people following things that shouldn't be following? Man, there's a lot of people following. I'm like, no, don't. Turn back. Don't go there. People follow all the time. We are made to follow. And we're just like sheep. And if you're led by the good shepherd, then you place your control in him because you are marked with the Holy Spirit. You have that inside you. You yield to the Spirit inside you and not what you want to do. Oh, now, does that mean that flesh can never come out? Does that mean that your, your desires never spark up? No. No. Of course, I mean, of course your, your, your desires spark up. Your, your flesh, your, your earthly desires. They will flare up every now and then. Then that's when you get to God's word and you say, well, that wasn't right. I need to get myself right, you know? Or I need to go back to people or whatever. So when, when you and I make the, the, the one-time decision to follow Jesus, there is a continuous everyday decision that involves knowing his voice, being owned by the sheep, not in control, Christ is in control. And the third thing we sense, and the last thing, is this. We ignore the other shepherds. We ignore the other shepherds, if we are following the right sheep. Again, this is everyday decision 
to follow Jesus. Why am I using the word follow? Because it's for the word discipleship. Okay? It's for the word discipleship. Just simply follow. So, if you're not following the shepherd, Jesus, then there's a good chance you're following another shepherd. If you're not following good, the good shepherd, Jesus, there's a good chance you're not, uh, there's a good chance you're following something else. Why? Because we're made to follow. Other shepherds come in various forms. For instance, there's the status shepherd who leads you down a pretentious path of pleasing others to fit into a group. Suited, do you ever feel like that you're having to do certain things to fit into a group? That's sort of the status shepherd. You're following the wrong shepherd. Or the greedy shepherd who leads you to fields of discontent of your job, your house, your wife, and ultimately your life. The greedy shepherd. If you followed the good shepherd, you wouldn't be following the other shepherds like the greedy shepherd. You would live a life of contentment. The, what about the image shepherd who leads you to murky waters where, where lies the, the distorted truth about how beautiful God created them? You know, there are people who are confused about their, their created beings. They're confused. First of all, they, they, if they follow the image shepherd, that image shepherd, which is a bad you know, bad shepherd, that image shepherd is going to uh, speak lies into that, into that person, that individual, saying, you know, you're just, you don't cut the mustard, meaning you're not, you're just not good enough. You're not, you're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. You, you just don't have it all together. I mean, look at you. Really? Or they'll listen to They'll listen to that image shepherd and say, you know, you're not really made in the image of God. I know God made you, you know, to be a, to be a male, but, you know, you possibly, maybe you were meant to be a female or vice versa. I mean, there's a lot of people who are confused and they're following the wrong shepherds. We got to follow the good shepherd. We have to follow the good shepherd. The main job of these other shepherds is to keep you away from looking at the good shepherd. So are you following the right shepherd? You can only follow one. Sure, you might look across the fence to the other shepherds now and then, but you can't follow two shepherds. They're going to different locations, to other pastures. Jesus remind us, you can't serve two masters. It's one shepherd, the Lord Jesus. In Psalm 23, 1, which beginning of the 23rd Psalm, just this one verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. So we could just stop there at Psalm 23, which we are. We're not gonna read the whole, the whole chapter. But we could just stop there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How do you know? How do you know when you're following the wrong shepherd? Get this, pay attention. You're always wanting something you don't have. If the Lord Jesus is your shepherd, then you will not be in want. 
If you're following the wrong shepherd, you're always going to want something you don't have. You're always going to want to be a part of these other groups. You're always going to have, a, have a, you know, a better body you know, or more money you know, or, or you know, fit in this group or, or whatever. You're, you're always going to be in want, never content. When you're with the good shepherd, you're living a life of contentment. So we've got to be following the right shepherd. So as we close this out, I want to just make sure you understand. And I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. You know, I'm not... When I decided to, to you know, to, to preach on this and the stirring of the Holy Spirit and the, and the five purposes of the church, and I came to the discipleship, it's like, okay, maybe I just need to give them a whole bunch of books and, you know, they can do that or pass out a bunch of journals or, you know, uh, those kinds of things. And, but I, I just think that I needed to keep it simple. And here's the simple thing is follow. That's all it means. Follow. Follow Jesus with a one-time decision to accept Christ as Savior. And then follow Jesus every day. Follow Jesus every day of your life. And even when you follow Jesus every day, the how you do that is you know his voice. You live your life not to be totally in control, but being controlled by the Spirit, not being controlled by the flesh. So you're owned by the shepherd. You are marked with the Holy Spirit. That's how you live your life every day with that. And then you ignore the other shepherds. You only follow one shepherd, the good shepherd. That's a life of disciple. That's a life of a disciple. But I as pastor, I can't come to your house and sit down with you, every one of you, and say, all right, read this. Pray this. I don't need to do that. But we do offer things, ways that, that will help you. We do offer ways that you can grow in your faith. And so whether it be small groups, prayer times, and just a reminder, today, I mean, like on Sundays, we, we, this is sort of new, so some of you may not know this, but Sundays... At 10.30, we pray for about 15 or 20 minutes. This room is open. And I invite you to just come and pray. You don't have to pray out loud or anything. Okay? You just come here and pray. Pray that the God would move in the Spirit. Pray that, that the Holy Spirit would speak to people. That God would, do, uh, God would bring revival. That incredible things will happen. This, that's an opportunity for you to grow in your faith. Just right there. Or in a small group. We have small groups on Sunday mornings. We have small groups in various nights. We have, definitely have a small group on Wednesday. You have an opportunity to grow in your faith. And being in a small group is important, but also you spending time one-on-one with God's Word and in prayer. And watching to see where God is working in your life. And then hanging around people, other believers, to, to hear that voice of God. To, to see how He's speaking to you. That is how you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You follow. Just follow. It's, I mean, it's simple, but it's difficult. <laughs> and the difficult part is just, the difficult part is just making yourself do it. You know, trust me, 
We're, we're all busy. Do I, do I open up my, my Bible every single day? No, I don't. <gasps> He's a pastor. I'm human. I don't open up my Bible every single day. Most days I do. Absolutely. Why? Because I get empty. <laughs> I, need, I need filled with what the instruction, what God, God wants me to do, what God wants me to, um, what God, how he wants me to live my life. And how he wants me to share Christ with others. How he wants to lead the church. I've got to be in his word. I've got to be in prayer. I've got to do all these things absolutely. But I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I just want to encourage you. As your pastor, do whatever it takes to grow in discipleship. And follow. That's it. Just follow. But before you can follow him every day, you've got to follow him with a one-time decision. That one-time decision to accept Christ as Savior. Have you made that one-time decision here today or watching online? Have you made that one-time decision? If you haven't, I want to invite you to do that right now. If you feel like God is searching your heart, your heart. If you feel like God is knocking on the door of your heart, if you feel like, man, I'm, I feel like God has been doing something in my life, in my heart, in my life. Uh, those watching online, do you feel like God is doing something? Then maybe He could be wanting you to accept Him as Lord and Savior. Let's do that right now. Every, uh, every eye, head bowed, eyes closed. If you're sitting here today or watching online and you are, you're to the point to where you just feel empty and you feel like that somebody's been trying to get your attention and you haven't really opened the door to let Jesus in and it could be because like the fishermen, you know, you're, you're dirty You've done some things in your life. Or maybe you just feel like, ah, my family's not really, we're not really special. We never really went to church much. And I'm just an ordinary person. Well, that's exactly who God wants to call. He wants, he wants to call everybody, but he, especially those who are just the ordinary people. You know? Or it could be that you're holding on to the nets in your life. Maybe there's some securities that you just don't want to let go. Maybe there's some friends and family members who would question what you're doing and you just don't want to let go. You need to drop them immediately. Let go means let go. So here's your opportunity to do that right here, right now. Let me lead you in a prayer. If you say these words, mean it from the depths of your heart, then, then you can make that one-time decision. It's real simple. Just simply say this. Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he died for me. Please forgive me my sin. Please, Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I accept you. I choose you. And I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to hear about it. Whether you're here, let me know in the lobby.
Or if you're watching online, you can send an email to frank at lakepointonline.com. Just let me know that. We'll get you on the right path. Periodically, we get those kind of emails, and, and we have some materials for that. Um, for those who are kind of new on their journey, want to start this journey, we actually um, have a couple of people that are starting about a six-week uh, uh, class next Sunday on what it looks like to, to be a Christian, like for new believers. So if, you, if you're even searching uh, for that life, if you're searching, it's like, okay, what does that even look like? Uh, even if you haven't even accepted Christ, I want you to be able to come to that class. Just let me know in the lobby or send me that email. And uh, we'll make sure. We have plenty of books. They're real simple. And, um, and it's a simple course. And it's about six weeks. And just take a few minutes of your time. And it'll help you grow in your faith. And I hope that um, you, I hope that you invite people to church. Think about some people in your life that you can invite to church. It's great to see uh, lots of people, you know, coming back and, and uh, people inviting and new guests. Thank you for coming here today. But I want you to invite people. So think about people in your life, how God is working and how God can put you there in their life to where you can invite them in to church, into the fellowship of believers. Uh, we'll see you back next week. Love you guys. Thank you all so much.